You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Talk all things comics and movies. This episode number 66, we were discussing essential Marvel and DC story arcs for new and returning readers to comic books. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay, welcoming you to the sexiest podcast in all of nerdom. The only podcast guaranteed to turn your unit from an R2-D2 into a C-3PO. How many times have you found this <laughs> Seven. well done welcome back boys how has your week been good good yeah you know a little bit of this a little bit of that hmv going under so i've been stocking up yeah you must be at video like 1200 1300 uh closing in on 1300 yeah pretty close so yeah gonna have to have you guys over for lucky number 1300 and we'll watch 13 movies yeah bust up that commentary yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no it breaks my heart though hmv man uh had some good times there yeah uh but no this weekend's been good you know we uh got to experience a great great episode on star wars rebels oh man fantastic my man ben kenobi held it down (laughs) unbelievable episode you can go check out our thoughts on that on our weekly after show star wars rebels alert which is on the same feed you're listening to right now troy and i had an absolute blast discussing it and it's one of the best episodes of rebels i've ever seen and it brings some nice conclusion to some of the bigger story arcs in the Star Wars universe. So Definitely. be sure to go check that out. Yes. Do you ever have like a bad time discussing Star Wars? Like... Never. <laughs> I guess I don't really need to say that because it's implied. <laughs> I wonder if like, I don't know, maybe one time you were watching Star Wars and someone punched you in the face. Like, would you consider that a bad time or still as good? As long as I still had one eye open. Yeah. Watch, <laughs> you know my depth perception might be off? As long as that one eye was still open, yeah, yeah. I'd still be enjoying it. Even that, John Williams scored my ears. Still be loving life. <laughs> Anyways, let's let's jump right into the MCU here. We had the debut of Iron Fist. This is our fourth hero debuting on Netflix in these Marvel more gritty series. These have been absolutely fantastic. Daredevil was great. Oof. Jessica Jones, Luke Cage. Daredevil season two was probably my favorite season with the, the Punisher. Yeah. And the last puzzle piece, the last origin story to be told is in Iron Fist. And this was debuting to somewhat lukewarm response. Critics weren't really liking it. There was talk of whitewashing and we had an opportunity here because this dropped on Friday to watch the first episode. And we just want to kind of give our thoughts here, just high level. We're not going to review this or anything until a couple of weeks. It's going to take us a little bit to get through this, I think. Yeah. But Troy, give me your first thoughts here on the episode. Is this as engaging as the other series that we've seen? Definitely not. <laughs> no, no, it really isn't. Um, I don't know much about Iron Fist, uh, the character himself. I do know, you know, he's, he's boys with uh, Luke Cage over there. Um, the actor they have to portray Iron Fist is... is it's okay. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like his portrayal, actually, because I guess he is playing a character that hasn't really been interacting with adults for quite some time. So he plays off this little goofy surfer kind of vibe a little bit. Yeah, I'm just kind of sick of seeing this this story. We've seen it with Bruce Wayne, Returns from the Dead, you know, multi, like he's a multi-millionaire. We've seen it with Arrow. Um, countless amount of characters we've seen this already. This story kind of been done. Uh, it's just not as engaging, but it is just the first episode. The whitewashing thing I dismiss completely because yeah, that's the character. Yeah. Like, he's always been that way. So 
pick up a comic for anybody else. Exactly. Like I don't know if people you know? got this idea that it's about martial arts, so there has to be a, a major Asian right. influence in this. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's exactly the character. Right. Yeah. So, so and I, I also had a chance to watch the first episode, and I'd have to agree with most of your thoughts there that it's not as engaged. Like I didn't feel like I had to sit down and binge watch this. Yeah. Where when we first watched, especially with my wife too, like she's into this but not into it like we are. Right. She felt the need to binge watch Jessica Jones, Daredevil. She didn't quite get into Luke Cage the same way. Yeah. And this one too, we watched it together. She just wasn't feeling it. Yeah. I'm kind of sitting there. I'm gonna get through this eventually. Like I like what they're doing, and I like how they're building towards the defenders, and I think towards the end of this season of iron fist it's gonna be quite crucial to see four defenders right so it's it's kind of one of maybe marvel's first misses i think so or something that isn't praised by everyone yeah from the netflix series right. and i kind of had a hard time gauging or doing kind of a comparative between the different series that have debuted because they don't really release numbers or how many times it was downloaded or right. anything like that or anything yeah right? so it's hard yeah. so Rotten Tomatoes does have a television section. Okay. There seems to be about 50 critics that consistently rate and review these Netflix series. And yeah. So this is kind of what I'm using as my base. I don't know if it's the most solid base for a comparative, but I was trying to gauge just the response that the critics were giving to this to try to get a general feel for the population. Now, mm -hmm. whether this is a good enough comparison, I don't know, but here's what Rotten Tomatoes, the critics from there, had to say. So... Iron Fist currently is sitting at an 18% approval Ooh. rating Ooh. on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. That's wow. Rotten. And when you look at that in contrast, Daredevil Season 1 was 98, Season 2 was 76, Luke Cage sits at 96%, wow. and Jessica Jones is 93%. So Marvel stopped paying them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly yeah. what yeah. happened, guys. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. Did, did you find, too, with this first episode, that the fighting was lacking? For, for being, you know, martial arts-like... The fighting was really bad. It, it just didn't work for me. The, and the effects too, when he jumped over the car, yeah, uh, that that didn't look so good. No. They they should have a blueprint from these other Netflix series as how to do this close yeah. quarters, yeah. you know, hand to hand combat. Yeah. And I don't know if they're trying to do something a little bit different with right. this one because that's one thing that I see almost repetitive in these series. We're getting a lot of close quarters, a lot of hallway fight scenes, yeah. and how much more can you do with that without? feeling like you're repeating yourself over and over again. Exactly. So I don't know if they're just trying different things to try to go in a different direction, mm -hmm. but we'll see. And I'm going to be my own judge here. I'm not going <laughs> to let this Rotten Tomatoes thing influence me. Right. It might be a series that might take a couple episodes to get into, get to get going. It is another origin story. So we've mm -hmm. been plagued with origin stories in this Netflix domain because they're trying to set up these new characters. So I don't know how this is going to roll into Defenders and if it'll interact well with Luke Cage. Who we're going to see in this series yes. might be important, whether we do eventually get kind of Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Yeah. So that would be pretty cool. But I'm a wait and see on this. I'm cautiously optimistic. Mm -hmm. Iron Fist isn't a character I'm completely familiar with. Luke right. Cage, I felt I was familiar with because of Bendis' run yep. and what he did with him. And he's always kind of been a C, D-list type character to me. Mm -hmm. So again, wait and see. I guess we'll be our own judges, and we're going to review that in a couple of weeks. It's going to all depend on how quickly we get through this, and right. if other people are having difficulty getting into it as well. We're kind of maybe push this a little further down the road so that people have a chance to watch this before we actually review it. Cool. Swinging over to a galaxy far, far away. It's been a relatively light week for Star Wars. We did have the Twin Suns episode, which was absolutely fantastic. Posed a couple big questions coming at the back end of it. Right. But. Looking at something a bit more physical here, we have Star Wars Land. It's coming out in 2019. Not coming out. It's going to debut. We're going to be able to go to the park. 
in 2019. And we're oh, we're going. We're going. <laughs> well, this is it. Where is it at? It's in. It's in both in Disneyland and Disney World. So okay. it's at MGM Studios, I think, in Disney World in Orlando, and it's at Disney or California Adventures, maybe in or maybe Disneyland. I don't know. It's in those parks. They're yeah. in California. They're across uh, okay. the street from each other. Okay, cool. Um, but whether or not. There is a celebration yeah. in 2019 in one of those spots. We're going to one of these. Definitely. Because it has to happen. Like, this is going to be incredible. This thing is absolutely enormous. And they're finally starting to release some of the images showing that they're making their headway into construction here. We got their first viewing of an ad at two ad ads, actually. So you see the frames being constructed, and they have this kind of digital overlay that shows exactly what they're going to look like. So this is probably part of the larger environment that we're going to get here. This, like the concept art from this and the, the first release of photos here, and I know we're still like two years out, but man, <laughs> I am so excited. I'm such a huge fan of Disney parks. Yeah. Like I love the atmosphere that they've created there and the restaurants. Like oh, if you go into like incredible. Rainforest Cafe, oh, love man. that. There's one called, I think, T-Rex in downtown Disney in Orlando that's like all prehistoric themed. Cool. Like that's I'm cool. just imagining them taking these concepts and putting them into the Star Wars universe and be like, man, we're going to go to like Cantina. Yes. be just <laughs> so immersive. Oh, I oh, cannot wait. Can't wait for that, <laughs> Seeing the construction starting, oh. <laughs> so excited <laughs> yeah i'm right there with you sunday you excited about this news oh so much yeah. man i can't wait to oh, visit yeah. star 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 wars star, land star, yeah. <laughs> freudians <laughs> yeah i already know what drink they're gonna have at the cantina blue milk uh <laughs> is, that, is that a thing yeah okay blue milk, no. oh okay uh sure <laughs> i was gonna say the han shot first like a oh. shot? Oh, oh there you go. I like yeah. that you did there. You like that? Man, that's that's impressive. Yeah. Most impressive. How yeah. fun would it be to get a little bit tipsy at the cantina? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hoping that they have like an adult bar service. They have to. Oh, for sure. They yeah. Do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. As long as they don't do that special edition song that oh, they added. That's from Jabba's Palace. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Please don't put that in there. <laughs> if you're listening, Disney, which I'm sure you are, Mickey, don't put it in there. Yeah. <laughs> And sticking with Star Wars here, we spent quite a bit of time on our Rebels episode or after show there discussing the ramifications for this line, Luke is the chosen one, and or the implication from Maul's speech in that. Right. And the internet's really taken to this and kind of ran with it. The clickbait sites have been having a ton of fun with this. Oh, yeah. I want to know, Troy, mm -hmm. has your thoughts really changed a lot in the last two days having time to sit and simmer on this Luke is the chosen one. Are you kind of sticking with what we discussed on our after show? Yeah, I'm sticking to my guns, man. Uh, you know, <laughs> everyone out there listening, I'm a big Anakin Vader fan, and I do believe he is the chosen one. Well, he is. I mean, he he essentially did bring balance to the Force, defeating the Sith with himself and Palpatine. But he spoiler needed spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he needed Luke to be the one to bring him back to the light to yeah. do so. So Luke plays his role. Luke is incredible, but ultimately. At the time of Obi-Wan saying that, I believe he's just saying that because he doesn't think there is a return of Vader coming back to yeah. the light. So therefore, he puts all of his hope into young Skywalker Luke. Yeah, yeah, I, I love yeah. that. Like, I'm kind of right there with you. I've always, I can't remember exactly what I said in the after show, so I might be changing my opinion here. <laughs> but I think I kind of described it as Luke is the chosen one in the sense that Without Luke, we don't get Vader destroying Palpatine and yes. bringing balance to the Force. So Luke is an integral part of that story of Vader having this full redemptive story. Right. So is he the chosen one? Is he not? I guess it comes down to Kenobi here when, you know, from a certain point of view. Yeah. All right, Sanjay. 
And we've had a little bit of Star Wars talk here. Let's swing yes. over to a bit more of your wheelhouse. Here. All right. We're talking about Smurfs. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Aquaman and the DC Cinematic Universe. Aquaman. We talked last week about Avatar vacating this December 21st, 2018. Troy and I put our pitches in <laughs> for Han Solo falling into that spot. And you yeah. threw out the idea maybe of the Batman falling into the spot. And something that was started by Marvel Studios a couple of years ago is pitching your movies and claiming your release dates years in advance. Mm -hmm. And every other studio has done this. Like, we've got movies planned all the way up to 2020, 2021. Right. Yeah. And this becomes a big issue here. And we've discussed quite a bit on the podcast in the past about maybe this isn't such a huge deal anymore. But there's a few areas in the film release schedule that do seem to be this Goldilocks zone. And December 21st, December 16th timeframe is one of them. This holds mm. two or three of the biggest movies of all time, wow. Avatar, Titanic, and Force Awakens. So right. wow. this is a massive weekend and mm -hmm. a weekend that is kind of clamored over because this is it. This is the pinnacle of weekends, it mm -hmm. seems at least, with the exception of maybe early May or sometime right. in July. Right. But with Avatar officially, unofficially... <laughs> vacating that spot that they did mm -hmm. technically have in December. Yeah. <laughs> it created this kind of domino effect because immediately Aquaman swung over into this December 21st time slot from October 5th, 2018 mm -hmm. to December 21st, 2018. And usually we're here throwing our hands up in the air and saying, <laughs> Did there are Aquaman's in trouble? What's happening? <laughs> Jason Momoa is quit. And the director is off his hinges and yeah. all this. But that doesn't seem to be the case. This seems to be purely strategic. Yeah. And it's yeah. a smart move it for is. DC to slot mm. in a movie in that slot. I still don't know how much better it's going to do not in the October time slot. Mm -hmm. But again, you're giving that the room to do well. What are your thoughts on the bump of Aquaman to December and the potential for them to slot in something different? Yeah, so my first thought was, crap, I'm going to have to wait another two months to see Aquaman because I'm super jacked about this movie. Um, but then I thought, you know, they must have a lot of confidence because this December slot, as you said, is like fought over. They don't just put any old movie in the slot. You know, like you don't see like Garfield coming out in december and stuff like that so i think warner brothers actually yeah, has a you use that <laughs> your reference <laughs> i don't know i was trying to think of a really shitty movie i haven't seen garfield maybe it's great but i assume not yeah i just think you know they have a lot of confidence in the movie and maybe they need a little bit more time for post-production because filming some of those scenes underwater yeah. might add a little bit more special effects i think it's a good move um, mary poppins comes out on christmas eve so they don't have like a ton of time to themselves yeah. and that's probably why han solo didn't go there because disney would just be cannibalizing itself that's true so um yeah no i i'm super excited and i know um tim you said you know you had you plan with your family every christmas you guys watch the star wars when you get together with your family are you gonna go out of your way and are you gonna go watch aquaman now in theaters coming out around christmas time you're gonna be with family is this something that you know they're, you're gonna go into theaters now where you probably wouldn't have opening day if it wasn't uh i mean ignoring the podcast i mean obviously we see all these movies but uh does this make you you know more likely to go see it now in theaters coming out in december do you want like my real answer <laughs> <laughs> of course i don't want any fake answers this is real talk no chaser i won't see this until i come back to calgary oh okay yeah yeah after the holidays no, yeah it doesn't really intrigue me that much more like it's a movie i will see for sure mm -hmm. i like this underwater setting it's kind of cool but putting this here as opposed to october i'd probably see it october opening weekend rather than december right so mm -hmm. i that's just me personally yeah 
it's not something I'm going to go out of my way for, especially this goes to Christmas. I would for Star Wars. I'm not going to do it for Aquaman. And that's nothing against Aquaman. I'm sure it's going to be fine or great or whatever. But it's not going to pull me into the theaters here. All right, Troy, what's your opinion? Uh, yeah, I think this this works. This is this is okay news. You know, thinking back with the DCs, much, as many problems as DC Universe has had or the DCEU, we haven't heard anything about Aquaman. They've been... They seem like they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, they seem pretty confident, like you said. Um, looking forward to it. I'm not jumping up and down yet because I'm still not impressed with what I've seen from um, Justice League. And I didn't really care for his scene in BVS. But um, I'll definitely go out there and check it. And like you said, it, it, you know, we could probably get to uh, develop more of the special effects to going into uh, that December release. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Mary Poppins being there, that's interesting. That'll probably... Um, take some some of that money so another movie that it will be debuting against is the spider-man that's miles right. morales that's right. animated, animated feature yeah, yeah which is huge i think uh, that one might move because two big superhero films coming out at the same day i mean last time we had that was yeah. bvs and civil war with the potential that's 2018 though eh? i don't know i don't know if it's gonna it's hard because we can get a lot of buzz depending how well received this new spider-man movie is too that's Homecoming. true yeah so a lot of people might be pretty anxious to see spidey again Especially Miles. Yeah. But it's tough. Animated feature too. It's difficult. It's yeah. not quite the same. It's not integrating the MCU. More yeah. kids. Uh, but but you will get more kids. A, yeah, they're out of school. Yeah. So. Exactly. Um, it's going to be an interesting time. Because yeah. as Aquaman shifts here, we do see this domino effect. And Sony decided to fill that October 5th slot with their own movie. A Venom standalone movie. Yeah. This is kind of at a left field here. And I didn't quite think it was real when they had announced it. First, it came out that they had a script, a director, and a release date. Now it's more a release date and someone's working on the script. But Sony seems to be moving forward with their own Spider-Man-esque universe. Yeah. What are you guys' (laughs) thoughts on this? Because personally, I just don't see it working in less than a year or kind of close to a year. Yeah, I don't know what uh, what Avi Arad over there is smoking. He's he's one of the executive producers over there at Sony. Yeah. Um. Uh. Especially if you're keeping this separate from the MCU, it doesn't make sense. You have everything you can use over in that universe. I mean, you could do the Guardians crossover. You could even have. I think I mentioned it before. You could have Venom start off in the Collector's collection oh. and and team up with the Guardians and then make its way to Earth. And then you have yeah. the Guardians though heading over to Earth to to get Venom back and. He gets on Spidey. Oh, like you can do so yeah. much there, right? Instead of now you're separating Venom from Spider-Man, it just doesn't make sense to me. He's one of Spider-Man's biggest villains, known villains out there. Why are you going to separate him from the MCU like that? It doesn't make any sense. This this is weird. This is very Sony-like when they're trying to do the whole um, Sinister Six movie and the Ant-Man movie that, yeah. you know, it's, it's weird. Yeah, well, yeah. I think this is being written by the guy who wrote Amazing Spider-Man 2. So it doesn't oh. instill a lot of confidence. Maybe what I'm thinking is Sony's like, okay, we'll use Marvel's help. We'll piggyback off them, release the Spider-Man film with uh, Marvel. And then we're going to retreat back into the Sony-verse and then kind of have Venom, you know, maybe interconnect. Maybe Spider-Man will make an appearance. Um, with the Amazing Spider-Man 2 universe or the uh, MCU? No, 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 the MCU. So I think they're maybe just like retreat oh. back. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense why they wouldn't connect it to the MCU. Like, uh, yeah. especially because they're loaning Spider-Man out. Like you can't have Venom without Spider-Man. Well, that was a question yeah. I was going to ask. Do you exactly. think that they can build a universe around Venom or... When you're looking at Spider-Man or a Spider-Universe, an individual character in his rogues gallery, there's yet to be a successful universe built around one character. Right. Like mm-hmm. you look at the DCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, whatever they're trying to build here and there, 
it's always around a bunch of different characters and bringing them in. When you're looking at a single hero and his rose gallery, like a Sinister Six plus a Venom movie plus like like an Aunt May movie right. or something, they haven't successfully done that. They tried to do that with Spider-Man or Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. and no one was really interested by the end of Amazing Spider-Man 2. So retreading this and trying to put back the plans that they originally had in place for the Amazing Spider-Man universe just doesn't make sense. They have something good going here for the MCU. And I don't know the legality of it all, but whether or not Tom Holland would even appear in this, right. I don't know. I don't know how the contracts work. With this MCU, could right? get yeah. quite yeah. messy. Yes. And if Kevin Feige and crew over there at Marvel Studios don't have control over Venom, there's going to be zero references allowed in that film. There's right. going to be no Avengers Tower. There's going to be none of this happened, that no. happened, Civil War, all these type of references. None of that. No. So it kind of seems like a backward step. They, they've kind of made this step to say, look, Marvel, take care of Spider-Man. We're going to make a ton of money off of it. Yeah. You can use him here. We can use him there. But as long as everything is a cohesive universe. And taking this step back, it's kind of like, what are you doing, Sony? Just yeah. let Marvel basically print money for you. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really weird. And you know, it would have been one thing even if they said they're going to do like a Spider-Gwen which has been a big oh, okay. hit, and you yeah. just keep her completely separate. Even that kind of makes sense to me. But mm -hmm. for, for them to take someone like Venom, who, who can go cosmic and can go street level, doesn't make sense to me here. Unless yeah. they reconnect it back to Amazing Spider-Man universe and kind of have yeah. two like parallel universes, like DC was trying to do before the writer's strike with the Nolan Batman and the uh, George Miller Justice League. Yeah. So they would have had two different Batmans, two different actors, so... Maybe that's what they're trying to do, and if they do, then I could see that. Like, I could dig that if uh, get what's his name back, Andrew, Andrew Garfield? Garfield. Yeah, I could buy that. I mean, I didn't <laughs> like the second one, but I mean, it had enough there where if they had a really good third film, it'd bring me back in, and maybe that Venom film will be that. Who knows? Yeah, I, I love the Andrew Garfield portrayal of uh, Spider Man. I just don't see that happening. That's kind of like way back when we had the Bond films, and Sean Connery went off and did like another James Bond movie, but we still had like the real James Bond universe yeah. going on. We had two James Bonds going on. Yeah. It was really weird, really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I don't know what they're planning. Yeah. Uh, sticking with 2018, so DC said, you know, so we've moved Aquaman. It's going to be over a year wait in between Justice League and Aquaman. Justice League comes out November 2017, Aquaman December 2018. There's potential, if the script is right and the stars align, that they will release a second film in 2018. And they gave a list of five. So I'm going to tell you the five films right now that they're theoretically planning one of these to be released in 2018. You tell me which one you'd be the most excited for, okay? So the first one is Gotham City Sirens, the uh, David Ayer directed with Margot Robbie, uh, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman. And judging by your guys' emojis... Shaking my head the whole yeah. time. <laughs> Just get uh, the, the throat chop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on to the next one, Suicide Squad 2. So there's no director yet. There's been a couple of potential rumors... Mel Gibson, the guy who directed The Shallows, uh, I forget his name, but uh, he's also potentially attached to it. You kind of have a cast, like Will Smith will probably be in it. Probably. I think uh, Goyer, too, they said. Wasn't he rumored as well? Uh, David Goyer? Uh, Goyer's rumored to another project, okay. but we'll get to that one. Okay. <laughs> so Suicide Squad 2, you guys, you know, would be interested if this film comes out next year? No. No? no? Okay. No. All right. Moving on. Hopefully you guys pick one of these. Uh, coming out next is Justice League Dark. So the director, uh, Doug Lindman, who did uh, Edge of Tomorrow or Live, Die, Repeat. Oh. So he's directed. A script was by Guillermo del Toro. For the longest time. For the longest time. Yep. It's kind of been in production. Um, rumored Zatanna, Swamp Thing, Constantine, Dead Man. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah, uh, it sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. It's something that we haven't seen before with kind of supernatural elements besides Constantine, the show, and the movie. So this one has me really excited. Uh, does it have you guys excited? A little interested. This could be the Suicide Squad that's meant to be. Like, if, yeah. they, they, if they can land this movie, then if, if they can pull it off, yeah, okay, cool. I'm totally down, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I would like to see Darkman on the big screen. Yeah, yeah. oh, he's or so Dead cool. Man, sorry, yeah, Dead yeah, Deadman, yeah. Tim? Uh, you know, I'll, I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have no idea who these characters are. <laughs> and if they can get whatever effects and monster building that Gilmore del Toro is going to do, because he mm. is fantastic, oh, Pan's yeah. Labyrinth and all that, yeah. if they can do something like that, I'm in. Yeah, like if Swan- he was attached to the project still, I would be way more interested. Oh, yeah. I think he wrote the script, so mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to use that script going forward. But uh, and Zatanna, you said she's Zatanna, in? yeah. Oh, okay, S- cool. say your spells backwards, and oh, it comes true. Uh, so the next one is Green Lantern, written by David Goyer, right, and potentially directed by David Goyer, who directed Blade Trinity. So. Like his writing, don't care much for his directing. Yeah. 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 I think this one would be a little tough because the special effects and they got to do Green Lantern, right? Should have got George Miller. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Shoot. Maybe. That's who they should have gone. I, I'm excited for that one, though. Yeah. I think that's enough time to, to wash away the bad taste, that stench of uh, the Ryan Reynolds oh, Green Lantern. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited for this, too. I yeah. think this is a movie that could really bring that cosmic element yeah. to the DC cinematic yeah. universe that it needs. I, like You look at what they're doing in Guardians, what they're eventually going to do in Infinity War. Cosmic is a big like of mine in the Marvel Universe, and if yeah. they could pull me into something like the Green Lanterns, completely off-worlds, maybe touch a bit on Earth or whatever, yeah. but build something bigger, build something more cosmic, do something about the color palettes and the yes. cinematography. Like, there's a lot of potential there. Mm-hmm. I think this movie out of all of them, I don't even know what your fifth one is, but I think this movie out of all of them has the biggest potential to be different and to mm-hmm. bring something new to the table. Yes. Yeah. No. And, and please do bring back Mark Strong as Sinestro because he, he was like oh, the best Oh, he killed part. it, yeah. He was the best part of that Green Lantern movie. It's true. Yeah. Um, and the last one was Flash. Ezra Miller attached to star in it, but uh, no director, no writer at this point. They've gone through a couple, so who knows if that'll get off the ground. Nah. Yeah, Tim called it. I, I the Green Lantern was the, the, most the winner. One I was See, rooting for. I, I'm excited for Green Lantern, but I want them to take their time. I don't want them to rush it, and yeah. I think the special effects would be too uh, insane and too complicated to get done in that amount of time. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm going with Justice League Dark. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Notice what absent on that list was the Batman. This was the movie that was rumored to be in 2018 here and mm-hmm. we've discussed some of the ups and downs of this with regards to ben affleck stepping down as the director rewriting of the script a page one rewrite so from yeah. start to finish there was some positive news a couple of weeks ago with matt reeves signing on to direct this film so he comes from war of the planet of the apes so he's a great director and he's now apparently going from scratch with the script. And Joe Magnello, the guy that's playing Deathstroke, is now questioning whether or not he's going to be in it, if they're going to use a different villain. And it looks like the production on this, even just with Matt Reeves signing on, because his commitments take him up until June with War for the Planet of the Apes, is pushing it well into 2018. And we're probably not going to see this movie now until 2019. Which is a bit of a disappointment because I I have as much of a shit kicking I've given the whole universe <laughs> mm-hmm. and I continue to do. I liked Ben Affleck as Batman. I thought he did well in Batman vs Superman. There's a few things, yes, that I I don't particularly agree with, but all in all, his character was good, and I wanted to see more of this universe. I've always been a fan of the Batman universe, of the Rogues Gallery, and what they've done with those movies, with the exception of a few of the missteps in the Schumacher universe. But <laughs> I was excited to see more for this. And even, what's his name that plays uh, Commissioner Gordon? 
Oh, um, J.K. Simmons. Yeah. J.K. Simmons is questioning whether or not he's still going to be a part of it as Commissioner Gordon right. when mm-hmm. he makes his debut in Justice League later this year. So there's a lot on the table here and a lot up in the air. And I'm a little disappointed to see that the Batman is kind of falling by the wayside. I'm, I'm dead serious about that. So what are your guys' thoughts on the Batman kind of falling and kind of tumbling down the release date and all the issues that we're seeing with this? Yeah, it, it sucks. You know, when they announced uh, Ben Affleck was going to be Batman, I was jumping up and down. I thought that was just like, you know, like the number one draft pick. Like, yeah. that, that's awesome news. <laughs> and, I, and yeah, I think most people will agree uh, Batman... Ben Affleck's portrayal was the the best thing in BVS. He was he was fantastic. The one cool thing I actually do take from this whole thing is Joe Magnaletto or Magnaletto. Yeah, or... Mr. Magic Mike. Joe, yeah, Flash Thompson. Um, <laughs> we can now potentially take that Deathstroke and put him in a Nightwing film, which would be far better suited because um, Deathstroke is a central villain. You know, the Judas contract in um, Teen Titans. If we could have him go toe to toe with Nightwing, ha. Huh, like well, that. Well, you know, uh, Troy, you bring mm-hmm. up an interesting point. But uh, someone tweeted the director of uh, Nightwing. I forget the guy's name. Who did uh, Lego, Lego Batman? Lego Batman. Yep. And said, you know, if uh, Deathstroke doesn't appear in the Batman, could he appear in Nightwing? And right. he liked the tweet. So yeah. you never See? know. You I mean, go. it's a better fit. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would really like that. You know, hands down. So, uh, but it's unfortunate. Yeah, we, we definitely need a Batman movie like soon. We should have had a Batman movie right after Man of Steel. Yeah. You know, like realistically. They should yeah. have built that universe up from maybe those two. And the big then, three, at least. Yeah. yeah, get them integrated and tell their stories here and then bash them together later on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, first off, glad Ben uh, was seeking help. And yeah. it sounds like, you know, he's getting the help that he needed. And hopefully, you know, this isn't a recurring issue for him. And hopefully he's battled his demons. And um, wish him all the best here. Uh, personally, that comes first before any Batman news or anything like that. Right, I definitely. mean, so hats off to him for the courage to seek help. And wish him nothing but the best but you know um talking about the batman film and stuff i mean we're hearing a lot more nowadays than back in the past i mean if you remember after batman robin there were so many rumors of different batman films to come out triumph we, we had batman triumph yeah. with uh, harley quinn oh okay yeah uh she was gonna be the uh, joel schumacher was supposed to do, direct that uh what's the guy's name david uh he did Darren Aronofsky. Oh, okay. He was attached to direct a Batman Year One film. Super weird, where Batman like lived in his car and he like lived in Crime Alley. Super different take. Whoa. Um, That never took off until they finally found a little-known director named Christopher Nolan. So sounds familiar. Yeah. (laughs) So at the time, who didn't do very much? I mean, had memento. Yeah, indie film indie film uh, lovers knew who he was, but the mainstream audience wasn't uh, introduced to him yet. And so, you know, if we had all this information back then, people would be panicking. We've had three Batman directors, you know, who's going to be Batman, all this stuff, you know. And I think it's great that they're changing the script, page one rewrite, because they're going to give the director his vision of the film. You know, they're not going to try stick a round peg into a square hole. They're going to, you know, make sure that it's a good fit and make sure that the script is up to what his standards are and what he wants. Because he has a different vision of Batman. His Batman is different than Ben Affleck's. Right. And so to have a, bring in a new director and try to have his vision work with uh, Jeff Johns and Ben Affleck's, I don't think it wouldn't have been as good. And now, you know, Reeves is probably going to work close with Johns and Affleck and make the script. Um, and, you know, if it has to be another year, so be it. So, I, you know, it sucks that we have to wait, but, you know, sometimes this stuff happens. And, you know, the Batman film 
Um, it's a top priority for Warner Brothers, clearly. Yeah. Um, that's their biggest moneymaker. If you look at all the top grossing films in DC history, it's all Batman films. Yeah. And they know they have to nail this film. And I think, you know, they're taking the steps to make sure that this is a hit and that um, critics and fans will love this and uh, hopefully bring back some of that uh, goodwill to the DC extended universe. Yeah, well, I look forward to seeing this in 2019 or 2020 <laughs> or whenever it's going to come out. Yeah. But hopefully they just do it right. If they need to take the time and delay mm. this thing, just do that and do it right. I'd be cool with the Nightwing. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah. In between yeah. that. Oh, that'd, be, so. that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, oh, yeah. For sure. Nightwing, I mean, it's crazy that we haven't had a Robin or a Nightwing film. And he's probably the most famous sidekick. Oh, hands down. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. Well, I think it's time to, to slip over to our main topic of the week. And this was spurred by a question from Kyle over the Tumbling Saber. And it's about discussing essential trades and arcs for people that are returning or people that are new to the comic book world. The barrier for entry is quite high right now over at Marvel. It's a little better over at DC because they just went through a semi kind of rebirth reboot type thing. Um, just to refresh the listeners here about Kyle's question, I'm not going to go through the whole thing here, but I'm just going to read kind of the essence of it. And more or less, it was Kyle was pulling upwards of 20 titles coming out of the new 52 relaunch, and that slowly dwindled down. And not very much Marvel with their new reboot and all this, and kind of the confusion over some of the storylines here. And one of the things that he was quite specific about was that he kind of felt out of touch with the essence of both the Marvel and DC comic book universes he could never really shake the feeling that so much had gone on that he had missed since he really got out of comics in the 1990s and it's about engagement here so what we decided to do was take that question and evolve it into the back end of one of our episodes here and go through some of the essential reading arcs or the essential trades that you need to jump into both modern comics today and revisit some of the stories that will give you that insight and build that foundation of comic book character knowledge to go forward here so we're trying to build out a library for listeners so they can go to the store and say, look, I need this trade and this trade, and this will allow me to understand a particular universe, I'll call this, in brackets. Because when I look at comic books, and I always look from the Marvel end here, and I'm sure it's very similar in the DC, is that you have to pick your stories. You have to pick either Avengers stories, which is before Cap and Iron Man, Spider-Man stories, X-Men stories, and then you supplement with things like Marvel Cosmic, Inhuman, street-level characters mm-hmm. like Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. Over on the DC side, it's very similar probably. You pick your Bat family, you pick your Superman family, and then you have the Justice League, and you kind of supplement with different characters here mm-hmm. and there. Because it's almost impossible, I would say, oh, to yeah. read across the line and read every single book one it's going to cost you an absolute fortune and two you probably don't have a job because all you're going to be doing (laughs) is reading comic books it would be great to do that yeah Yeah. but it's just not going to happen so what we're going to do here today is actually we're going to take a stab at four or five different arcs or trades that we're going to recommend to the listeners to just give them a flavor for what they should be or what we think they should be reading what is essential to the individual comic book universes here. And we have a nice contrast across the table here. Troy's gonna be doing a bit of DC and Spider-Man. I'm gonna be focusing in on Avengers and Marvel Cosmic. And Sanjay's gonna be focusing in on DC. So we're gonna have a nice library built here by the end of this episode. And I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say because as a reader of comic books, I'm still always trying to fill little gaps and of history of characters that I'm not completely familiar with. So I have two Wonder Woman uh, stories and uh, two Justice League stories. So I'll start with uh, my Wonder Woman stories, and then maybe we'll go on to Troy, and then we'll yeah. 
go around the table here. Cool. Here's one thing I just wanted to stress too. We're just going to give a flavor for these stories and yeah. why we think they're essential and what they're essential for, right. as opposed to describing in great amount of detail. Like a synopsis. We, yeah, yeah, we don't yeah. want to Spoiler. give away anything or no, spoil yeah, anything spoilers. for people going into this. Yeah. So it's just going to be a high-level discussion. We're going to say spoilers kind of for some of these because inevitably we're going to get discussing about some of the aspects of this and maybe trip over into spoiler territory. Right. So spoilers for these, I'm going to list them out and potentially put together a little bit of a graphic so you can actually see the different volumes and the different covers that you cool. should be looking for. Okay. So just again, spoiler alert here, it's going to be high level as we can. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Sorry for cutting off. Oh, no, no worries. No, that's good. All right, so starting with Wonder Woman, I'm recommending the entire Greg Rucka run, starting with his standalone graphic novel, Wonder Woman Heikatia. So I don't know um, if you guys have read this. I'm assuming not. No. <laughs> so this takes this is uh, from the early 2000s when uh, DC was at its prime, and you know it's hitting its stride. Did she have the leather jacket, sorry? Uh, no, not yet. No, no, not okay. yet. That comes later. <laughs> Shit, calm down, Jory. After, after she works at Taco Bell, too. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, so just a, you know, the story, just a little bit of background of the story, you know, young woman kills a man in Gotham city and then she escapes to wonder woman's apartment in New York and she evokes uh Hikatia, which I don't know if you guys are aware of what Hikatia is. I had no idea. And, and this book explains it. Uh, Hikatia is basically the ancient Greek tradition where if someone who was in trouble or needed help, um, they can go to someone who was powerful and strong and evoke Hikatia. And so what that would mean would be the powerful person, if they accepted, they would take them under their wing and they would protect them at all costs. And the weaker person would have to become their personal servant. So this lady comes to Wonder Woman and evokes Hikatia. And so Wonder Woman has to watch her because of this murder, you know, Batman's on her case and the Gotham City Police is on her case. So Wonder Woman agrees. And a couple days later, Batman being the world's greatest detective, he makes an appearance. And he says, hey, Wonder Woman, you know, this person has to answer for her crimes. I'm taking her back to Gotham. And Wonder Woman says, not so fast, Batman. You know, I have to protect her with my life. And Batman says, I don't care what you say. I'm taking her back. And they have this awesome battle. You know, this book showcases just how strong and how powerful Wonder Woman is to see her go toe to toe with Batman. And, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm not going to, you know, say who wins the fight. There is a clear winner. But, you know, this book really um, kicks off Greg Rucka's run and, you know, it's told in like a Greek tragedy. And so this would give you kind of a flavor of like, okay, if you're into the old ancient Greek gods, you know, his run involves Zeus. It involves like, um, what's the god of war? Who's the Ares. Name? Ares. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It involves Ares. So it involves other gods in Mount Olympus. So, you know, um, this is probably one of the best runs I've ever read. Um, it comes in a single graphic uh, novel volume, Greg Rucka Volume 1, and it includes the uh, graphic novel Heikatia in it. So it's a great uh, pickup if you want to learn more about Wonder Woman. And the other Wonder Woman book I'm recommending is the Brian Azzarello New 52 run. Yes. So this is issue 0 to 35, and it's pretty much one long story taking place revolving um the birth of a child who uh zeus had a child with a human and zeus's wife hera gets upset and wants to kill the child at first and so the whole run is you know introducing you you know to the wonder woman stable again um introducing you to the gods of greek mythology mount olympus again as well as it changes her origin from her typical born out of clay yeah. 
And I'm not going to spoil what her new origin is, but it's it's very hinted at for the trailers in the Wonder Woman film. So if you want to go in and learn a little bit more about her origin before the film drops in June here, recommend Brian Azarell's run. The art's fantastic. It's still my favorite New 52 run to this day, even over Scott Snyder's Batman, which, ooh, it, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, they, they killed it with this. And they did. It's kind of controversial, too. Uh, some people don't enjoy it as much as greg Greco's, yeah because <laughs> they do change a lot but it seems like the movie is going to steal or borrow from this run quite a bit right on yeah. so yeah check it out uh, you can get the first graphic novel it's called wonder woman blood issues one to six and it'll kind of give you a flavor of what the rest of the run is about starts off a little slow but there's this one issue i can't remember what it is uh ign when they rate their comic books gave it a 10 out of a 10 and I'd have to agree, it was fantastic. Damn. Yeah, you have to check it out. Sweet. Well, uh, first of all, um, shout out to um, Kyle once again. Uh, thanks for the question. Uh, really appreciate it. That's cool. And for anybody else out there listening, uh, we welcome them all. So we had a lot of fun doing this whole little uh, segment here, answering guys' <laughs> questions. Uh, my book here, surprise, surprise, is Amazing Spider-Man, a two-parter. It's uh, The Gauntlet and The Grim Hunt. Okay. This is, this is awesome. This is basically think Batman Nightfall, but done better <laughs> oh <laughs> um spider-man gets back in the black suit you got kane who makes an appearance from the 90s but he's pulled off so well you got madam webb who uh who shows up in oh, this from the cartoon yeah yeah from the cartoon oh, yeah nice. so this is this is a great great book um the best thing we've had since um well not the best thing we've had since but this was definitely one of the better story arcs coming off of uh one more day brand new day because spider-man was going through some hard times at that point <laughs> there but uh yeah definitely check that out um issue 612 to 637 is the gauntlet and the grim hunt so be sure to check that out and uh we got mark wade and we got dan slot writing this book so nice. cool stuff even deadpool appears in this wow. so uh, yeah 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 changes the status quo a little bit of spider-man you know but i'm not going to spoil anything but yeah be sure to check that comic book out is it uh peter parker yeah it is peter parker yeah oh, okay. yeah peter parker uh kane spider-man which is cool because we kind of get kane pushed forward to going down furthermore when we get the scarlet spider-man comic coming back later when he's in uh houston texas there oh, somewhere nice. in that uh tip nice. business every now and then <laughs> yeah <laughs> conquer jungle man <laughs> worst <laughs> I'm interested in that because Spider-Man is a character that I don't read a lot of, right. but it's a character that I want to read more of. Yes. And having a book like that to get me into his universe a bit right. more, it, it kind of kind of excites me. And that's something I'm going to go chase definitely for the trade. Yeah, and it's, it's a nice little dark story too, a little yeah. darker for, for Spider-Man. So yeah, definitely check nice. that one out. Nice. Yeah. All right, well, my first one of, I think I got four here, maybe four and a half. Yeah. Um, I'm going and sticking with the Avengers universe. This is my wheelhouse here. Yes. And this choice here comes down to what I think is one of the more pivotal moments in Avengers history. This is Avengers number 500 to 503. This is the Avengers disassembled story arc. This is a game changer for Avengers. This is when Brian Michael Bendis comes on to the scene for Avengers. He had done daredevil i think before this and a few other books and he's a writer that's taken the avengers and evolved them into more or less what they are today this book kicks off the event-centric 2000s for marvel this gets you civil war this gets you secret invasion this gets you siege this gets you house of m all of yeah. this starts with Fear this itself? book Fear Yourself comes yeah. out of this, Dark oh. Avengers, oh, AVX, yes. Age of Ultron. So everything from basically 2004 to 2012 comes out of this story. This is where it all begins. 
And I think this is such an essential book because not only does it actually disassemble the team, it leads into the new Avengers, which takes the place of the Avengers title. So we get to 503, 504, and that series actually ends. It ceases to exist, the Avengers title, until later on down in Bendis' run. And we get the new Avengers spinning out of this disassemble arc. And coming into New Avengers, we've got Wolverine on the team, Luke Cage, Captain America. It's just so good. And the story arc, the first six issues from New Avengers Volume 1 is the breakout. And this is from Earth's Mightiest Heroes. They take the cues from this about this massive breakout from Riker Island and the team assembling to capture these villains. And it's done so well. We get Sentry comes into this. And it's just an integral part of what they built in the early 2000s and this leads into like i said civil war secret invasion which some people have issues with the amount of events that we got through that time period but i think they're all very well executed and it's these books that you need to kick this off yeah i I agree with you and i think those events meant something and they stand the test of time even to this day you go back to those events um secret invasion obviously civil war uh, the Dark Reign era when, you know, we have Osborn leading yeah. the, the, the Avengers, the Dark Avengers. Ha! Huh. i got to go back and read all that now. Yeah, and if yeah. you look at what the film universe is taking cues from, it's kind of this era. Yep. Like the importance of Luke Cage and Jessica Jones coming out of these books. Mm-hmm. Civil War was just adapted. I'm going to guess that Secret Invasion is going to be done in some capacity sometime down the road. Planet Hulk and World War Hulk were done in this time frame as well, yep. being adapted right now in Thor Ragnarok. That's right. So it's right here that you kick off this new universe. What I'm going to call the modern era of Avengers starts right with issue number 500, Brian Michael Bendis, Avengers Disassembled, and then kicking into the first volume of new Avengers issues one through six. That's my first recommendation nice. for nice. the Avengers That's world. That's wicked. Yeah. Awesome. So, Sanjay, what do you got next? All right. So, next we have on Troy's shirt, the Justice League. Yeah. <laughs> Go from D- Marvel's greatest team to DC's greatest team. So, big movie coming out. And so, I started from when, uh, you know, kind of like Marvel with their Avengers, like Tim was saying, DC's um, Justice League looked vastly different maybe 20 years ago. And so, in the 90s, Superman wasn't in the Justice League. Batman wasn't in the Justice League. The Justice League wasn't selling very well. And they thought, how can we reinvigorate this franchise or this comic book? So they got all-star writer Grant Morrison, who's a beaut. Oh, yeah. Grant Morrison. You either love him or you hate him. Um, he did some X-Men work. You might remember him, Tim, from Definitely. the X-Men. Yeah. Batman Incorporated? Batman Incorporated, yeah. yeah. So they renamed the title JLA. And they uh, introduced the first book. You know, if wrestling fans will know this, the New World Order, the NWO. Oh, the Wolfpack. Yeah, yeah. Justice League, NWO, or Justice League, New World Order. Steve Nash in there? Oh, I wish. Scott Hall, though. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> um, so this one kicks off, you know, you have kind of the similar team as you do in um, the movie. So you have Superman, you have Batman. Um, this time Superman is the real Superman. He doesn't turn into the blue Superman until, I think, issue seven. Um, so people from the nineties might be a little bit confused, but, um, basically death of Superman, he comes back, but it's a minor thing and they do touch on it in the book. So, um, if you're feeling a little bit confused, you might go back and read death of Superman arc, but, uh, sticking with the justice league, you have wonder woman, you have green lantern, you have Aquaman, you have Martian Manhunter, and you have red tornado. I wish red tornado. You have green lantern. No, I said green lantern, right? Uh, Hawkman. No, no. Black Canary? No. Commissioner Gordon? No, no. Oh, man. Riddler. I wish. <laughs> Saying random names. Jay Garrick. 
Just making. Oh yeah, the Flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah there, there you go. go. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. the Flash. <laughs> uh, Wally West is the Flash, nice. and Hal Jordan. Um, not Hal Jordan. Uh, Kyle Rayner. So it takes place. Um, so Justice League has to reassemble. There's a team of villains that, or a team of other superheroes who have come to the Earth and they try to solve Earth's problems. So you know, there's a drought in Africa, so they bring rain and then they make vegetation in Africa, and then the people of Earth rebel against the Justice League and are saying what the hell like why can't you guys do this for us you guys should be doing more using your powers for the greater good instead of just fighting bad guys and causing collateral damage and you know this book um really is the first introduction of the bat god as we call him in dc um, where he kind of knows everything he has his secrets about everyone else in the justice league and he can defeat pretty much anyone in comics with his batmanness because he's batman nice (laughs) (laughs) um and then taking that um so that run um goes up into about 2006 when they did another reboot and then um i'm talking about another justice league reboot from 2011 the new 52 the first comic book i ever read justice league issue one it's the storylines called origin and this is straight out of the movie the same seven is going to be in the movie so cyborgs in it instead of martian manhunter um the rest are the same hal jordan green lantern who might make an appearance in the movie i hope so and uh the flash is in it um barry allen and so um dark side comes to earth he brings his parademons and the justice league has to unite and the you know heroes are still kind of new so it's kind of like similar to the dc extended universe at this point in time and it would be a good uh, story to get into. And um, the whole Jeff Johns run is fantastic. And I can't say enough good things about his new 52 run. He did the entire 52 issues, I believe. I think so. Yeah. He might have just missed like one or two Couple at the end. Ones, yeah, yeah, I think he did up to 50. So uh, this is a perfect jumping on point if you want to be fresh in your knowledge of Justice League going into the movie. So uh, it's called Justice League Volume 1, New 52 Origin, Issues 1 to 6. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, you know, back at it again, sticking with my boy, <laughs> Spider-Man. This one is incredible. This is a 33-issue run, Superior wow. Spider-Man. This is fantastic. you got to get in about issue 699 is the last issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Well, we got the 700. Uh, Doc Ock takes Spider-Man's body. Uh, this is the first time we've really gotten a villain to take the mantle of the hero and make it work. You know, again, Nightfall tried doing it with uh, Jean-Paul Valley. Oh, yeah. I didn't like it. I didn't like we became Batman. But Doc Ock, you know, uh, Dan Slaw was getting, like, death threats, you oh. know, when he did this. Like, people were going crazy wow. when he did this. Yeah, it was, it was nuts, but he pulls it off. Um, yeah, Superior Spider-Man's killing, you know, bad guys. Uh, you got Giuseppe on the art, yeah. which is fantastic. You get a cool new love interest in this book. Um, the best love interest he's had, really, since MJ, which is Anna Maria. So that's pretty cool. Um, a lot of character development. Peter Parker um, actually ends up becoming like his own CEO of Particle or Particle Parker Industries, which is cool because that still carries over now, even with the real Peter Parker back in the body of uh, Spider-Man. So, yeah, I can't say enough good things about this book. It also brings back Spider-Man 2099, which is a huge fan yeah. favorite oh, okay. of, uh, of, you know, dudes from the 90s. Such a good run. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like right? I, this is one of the stories that I've read. Yeah. About Spider-Man. I got from, I think, 698 forward. Oh, okay. Okay. It's so good. Yeah. It's it's so good. And and this also connects, uh, actually builds up to uh, Spider-Verse, which is really cool because there's a point in this book when there's a little bit of time travel going on, but they don't really explain what happens with Doc Ock spider-man but he actually is uh you know doing some stuff in the spider-verse book so yeah i can't stress enough 
got to pick up this book. Um, fortunately for me, you know, I've been running with Spider-Man for a while. So I got my little, I got like two issues of 700, which is stored away. But yeah, this is just <laughs> such a good book, guys. Go out there and check it out. Dad Slot killed it on this one. Nice. Yeah. All right, I'm swinging back to my boy, Captain of America. Of course. Here. Yeah. Stars and Stripes. You yeah. all know where I'm going to go with this. This is, again, another mid-2000 book, 2004-2005. This is Ed Brubaker's run on oh. Captain America, Volume 5. This is incredible. This is taking Captain America back to his roots. He is fighting Hydra. And this is where we get one of the most well-executed revivals in comic book history, and that is bringing back Bucky Barnes as a Winter Soldier. We all know this character from the Marvel Cinematic Universe iteration. This, particularly issues one through six, so this is the out-of-time arc in Captain America volume number five that goes through his origin story, and this is where we get the first appearance of Bucky Barnes as a Winter Soldier. We see this develop eventually into what is Bucky Cap. There's integration of the Fallen Sun and Civil War story arc into this whole run. But get the issues one through six. This is such an iconic story. And if you look at most of the covers for the first, I bet you 15, 20 issues, you'd recognize them. These are iconic covers, so beautifully drawn. I can't remember the artist, it escapes me right now. But this is getting Captain America back to his roots. If you like the Captain America iteration that you saw in Civil War, that you saw in Winter Soldier, you're going to love this comic book. And it really kicks off, I think, the Captain America that we still have today going in, even into the Secret Empire. Right. Like, it's really cool. This character is, he's my favorite character, and this is my favorite run of that character. It's the Brubaker run from 2004. That's that's so cool. Um, you know, I, I thought it was incredible when they brought back... Uh, Bucky and they, they turned him into this Winter Soldier at the time. I think it was so cool. It's kind of polarizing what was going on. Not polarizing. There's kind of a little bit of uh, copycats going on. I don't know if it was, whether it was DC or Marvel, but you know, during this time you had um, Cap who was dead, but he wasn't really dead. He was kind of going, traveling through time to get back to where he was, but then they did the same thing in Batman. Oh, he yeah. Wasn't really dead Bruce by Wayne. The, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. But yeah, he went through like the pirate Batman and whatnot and made it to the current state. And then you had Red Hood who was a killed psycho. Uh, killed cyclops who was uh who who was uh the sidekick that was murdered by the hands of joker and came back eventually as the red hood and then we had bucky who later on came back as the winter soldier and they're both just such cool characters yeah. but yeah. I, I and i you know i, I haven't read it as much sam wilson cap as, as much as tim here but i really love the bucky cap so yeah, much especially so you know in the, in the hands of the avengers when he's with that team and yeah Oh, man. Great stuff. <laughs> it's good, and they allude to that a lot in the films. He's picked up the shield a couple right? times. Yeah. Yeah. They shared it, him, Falcon, Whoa. and uh, Cap. With Chris yeah. Evans. You yeah. know? Might, he's going to hang the shield up. Yeah, might be yeah. stepping down. Maybe Bucky will take over right. after Infinity War. Maybe. And I love that costume. Yeah, it's so good. shiny kind it's, of costume. Yeah, it's almost like a metallic look to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah cool. that's great. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right, we're back to Sanjay. where we all started. It's yeah. Sanjay. So DC Comics, known for being dark. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we go to their darkest story they've done, maybe ever? They turn from happy-go-lucky DC into this controversial mega event where they really kicked off this dark and gritty universe of DC. Talking about everyone's favorite identity crisis. Oh, okay. So, elongated man, his wife dies. And so it's like this uh, murder mystery where it's told throughout uh six issues i believe trying to figure out who murdered his wife and has two of the most controversial scenes probably in dc comic books history i'm not going to spoil it for you but just really goes to the left is written by brad Meltzer, who's a new york times bestseller i think he does crime dramas okay i loved it uh, some people hate it and some people cite this as the downturn of dc 
they said you know dc went too dark with this issue so if you like your comics dark and gritty i highly recommend this um, and I recommend you getting an early copy of this trade because it has a special interview with one director, Josh Whedon, who at the time that this was released was attached to direct Wonder Woman. That's right. And thank God that didn't happen because we wouldn't be getting the great Wonder Woman that we're getting with Gal Gadot if he had directed it. So sometimes, you know, in the words of Garth Brooks, you got to thank God for unanswered prayers. I didn't think you guys would be listening to Garth, but uh, you know, if people listen to Garth out there, um, yeah, no, check it out. Um, very dark, very gritty. If you like your comics like that, like I do, yeah. check it out. Nice, yeah. nice man. Well, I'm right there with you. I'm going over to uh, my side here, DC, my other side, because I only have you're two. Like, you're like Two Face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Batman, Batman, Court of Owls. This got me into the character hardcore um writer scott snyder who just kills it artist greg capullo um man this is incredible this is i kind of cheated a little bit though because this is court of owls batman but also you got to pick up um city of owls i believe with uh dick grayson's nightwing um reintroducing the characters in uh the all new all new all different reintroducing <laughs> the characters in um the new 52 uh, you got a Batman who's very confident in what he's doing for Gotham. He kind of feels like he knows exactly what he's doing. He has everything under his thumb. But um, these whispers of the owls, they're just kind of myths at the time. But you actually mm. find out these guys are legit. And they actually pull the strings to the city. And Batman ends up going toe-to-toe with these characters. He's actually tied to some of these characters. It's really cool. They do actually, as I'm reading this book, this trade, my hands are going all over the place. There's a certain scene in there. If yeah. people read this book, they know what oh, I'm talking yeah. about when you're kind of spinning the book around, which is so cool. And then what they do with Nightwing here, issues one to seven is fantastic. They change his origin a little bit too, actually making him connected to a bad guy, the Talons, who they introduce in this book, which is cool because um, Dick Grayson's name's a little different. It's actually Gray Sun, the Gray Sun, which is a really cool thing what they pulled in this book, who's another villain I'd like to see in the Nightwing movie would be the Talons. So, oh, if they did Talons in Nightwing, oh it's over. You, you I could would, totally pull for Court of Owls in, in that universe. I would just empty my bank account and hand the money to DC right, right? now. Like, oh, it's yeah. over. Oh, Write a man. check, $1 million. <laughs> Incredible. So yeah, go out there. Um, this will get you on the path of Batman. Once you finish this whole book, you're not you're not turning back. Either. Yeah. So um, yeah, and, and if, you, if you really do like these books, be sure to pick up uh, Scott Snyder's run right now going on with All-Star Batman, which have been really cool, very standalone, but very Batman very dark some really cool art going on there so um yeah right now man this is what i'm picking uh this is uh batman quarter vowels or nightwing city vowels you need them both together really nice yeah, yeah. and there's a lot of horror elements in there if you're a horror fan there's some of those pages don't read it at night with yeah. the lights off well you, you can pick up the trade now and get the quarter vowels mask which is yeah really creepy. you know they're yeah, oh, crazy yeah they knocked it out of the park of this mm-hmm. scott snyder he's nice. incredible favorite nice. batman writer I, I liked him when he did um Batman Robin when his Nightwing when, when oh, his Dick Grayson yeah Black Mirror yeah, yeah yeah love that nice yeah nice I'm gonna recommend here another tandem set of books I'm going with Hickman's Avengers run from 2013 oh. this is the run if you want to get into today's Avengers books you need to start with Hickman's run in 2013 here this is both Avengers and New Avengers this is probably just I don't know if it's shy of Bendis's run right. for me or better than Bendis's run because this runs for, I think, 44 issues, the Avengers, and the new Avengers is slightly less. But this gives us so much 
for the current continuity. It builds up this Avengers into this massive team. The new Avengers book is an Illuminati type book, which is probably one of the best Illuminati books that's out there. Yeah. You've got Black Panther, Doc uh, Strange, Captain America's kind of in there. Yeah. Xavier Beast shows up, like Iron Man, Black Bull. Like there's so yeah. much there. This gives us the Terriginum Bomb, which kicks off this whole inhuman storyline. Embedded in this is Infinity, which is one of the best Thanos events in the last couple decades. Yeah. Like it's so good it's i still go back to this infinity and i know we talked about a long time ago in the podcast <laughs> books that we want to adapt into film this infinity is one of the books that i want to see on film what they did here with avengers becoming this kind of cosmic protecting force so good like you have to read the books side by side too especially as it goes into the infinity event and then eventually rolls into this time runs out and Secret War, which yeah. is the last big event from 2015 that rolled out our current continuity in the Marvel comic book universe. Right, right. So get out there. I know you read some of this, Sanjay. I have, yeah. And oh. Troy, you read this too. Yeah. This was, I think, one of the best Avengers runs. It's better than what we have right now. Oh, way and if better. if you're going to visit something in this modern era of Avengers and you don't want to go all the way back to Bendis' 2004 runs... Mm -hmm. Start here with Hickman's 2013 Avengers, New Avengers run. It's so good. You know, the relationship between Tony and Steve Rogers in those books is so much like the Civil War movie. You know, yeah. it's bang on. Um, the character, the villain, I he's a villain at one point. I always butcher his name. Oh. There's a new Marvel Legends of him, the alien yeah. Milo. Uh, uh, from Mars or something? He has yeah. like the Omega yellow, symbol on his yellow chest. Guy. Yeah, like the yellow deer. X-Nilo. So I kept yeah. thinking of a Nihilus in my head. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's incredible. The art, and you know, you get these these scenes where it's like, I think it's Tony and Cap talking, and they're like, we gotta get bigger. Yeah, you know, that's we gotta expand, yeah. Right? And you know, at first I wasn't fond of that idea, but the way they do it, and they, they pull it off, they deliver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jim Chung does a lot of art in this. Oh. The art in this book is off the chain yeah like it's yeah. so good I love so it. engaging it's, it's it's wicked and they do this thing too you know when you start each comic i think it's i don't know if it does it for the new avengers but it does do it for the avengers where you get like uh, the lineup of the book yeah you know, it shows yeah. you who's gonna be starting it's different book. symbols and it's arranged yes. differently there yeah it's so cool. genius yeah. yeah he does a lot of work with like almost cryptography like symbols and all this yeah, like loves, yeah a lot of cool stuff that hickman does and the artist does in this book and I think, yeah, like I said, like you need this book for Avengers. You really do. It's tough. Like, what's better, that or Bendis's run? I don't, it, that's a tough one. Bendis's run because it's so long and yeah. it encompasses like Civil War and Secret Invasion. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people aren't super fond of Bendis, but I right. like what he does. I, I like what he does. There's some yeah. misses, of course. But this, if you're going to get something that's relatively compact, you're less than 50 issues here. Even if you get into the first six issues, the first couple of trades, mm -hmm. if you don't like it, then probably set it aside. But I can't imagine you're not going to like yeah. it this just from the start like it's and the story into, building if you get up until the end of infinity like it's like or even just the start that's so good yeah yeah that's i mean pick. and they go to regina so yes, maybe they, they run into baron's uh, house there yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well we're pressing up on time i think i've got one more left here and i believe you've got one more yeah. left to recommend here sanjay so why don't you lay your last recommendation down for the essential reading arcs to get into DC. All right. So, you know, I figured a lot of people who watch Star Wars probably enjoy space operas. I think that's a fair, fair assumption. assumption. Yeah. So how about DC's best space story, their best space character, Green Lantern? And I'm talking about the Green Lantern Sinestro Corps War. So basically, the story takes place with Sinestro, who was at one time the greatest Green Lantern, maybe like the greatest Jedi. And then he, you know, he goes to the dark side. He makes his own lantern rings, the yellow lantern, who are ruled by fear. 
and he sets out this huge clash between your green lanterns and your yellow lanterns and it's epic i'm telling you this is dc's answer to infinity gauntlet like this is their best space story they've ever done uh green lantern he's their best space character as i said and the art on this is fantastic written by jeff johns this he was at the height of his green lantern epicness when this came out and you know it turns sinestro into this other like misguided figure who only wants to do right by the universe but you know he believes that you got to instill fear in people in order to rule them beta yeah right very similar and where the green lanterns they use willpower and so you know this kind of sets off the whole green lantern rebirth as you will turning the character from not really a great seller into an A-lister and his run kicked off um, you know one of the best Green Lantern runs of all time led to a movie which didn't do so well but don't let that deter you they still have big plans for Green Lantern in the cinematic universe and you know if you want to get in to reading Green Lantern or reading Sinestro because he had his own series for a bit as well this tells the origin of the Yellow Lanterns as well as the giant battle uh, in space between the green and the yellows awesome thanks I'm going to also finish off here in the Cosmic End. And this is a book I've been pumping a lot lately. I had it as one of my comic book picks of the week a couple of weeks ago because I was talking with Steve over at Journals of the Willing with the Tumbling Saver crew. It's Annihilation. This is a book I come back to time and time again when people ask me to recommend books. And there's three key trades here. This is the first three trades. Um, the first trade includes Drax the Destroyer, which again revamps his story into what looks like more of the current iteration of Drax. And this has the prologue, Annihilation Nova. Nova is a huge character focus in this whole Annihilation book. It actually spins out into a nice, I think, 40-issue-ish uh, run of Nova throughout all of this. The original Nova. The original right? Richard yeah. Rider, yeah. yeah. And then you get into book two, which is Annihilation Ronin, Annihilation Super Scroll, Annihilation Silver Surfer. A lot of cosmic here. And the book three, which does contain issues one through six and the Annihilation Heralds of Galactus. The reason I like and I'm recommending this book is this is what kicks off the modern Marvel cosmic. It gives us eventually Guardians of the Galaxy. It gives us the iteration of Ronin that we saw on screen to a degree. It gives us a revamped (laughs) Silver Surfer. Like there's a lot in this book within these few short issues that really kicks off what I think is the iteration of the cosmic that we see right now. We see a lot of focus in on that because of Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, the film took a lot of cues from this run in designing the characters and taking the actual arcs it's something a bit different but the character essences come from this eventually if you want to get into guardians of the galaxy 2008 admin landing run you need annihilation so i'm not going to belabor this because i've banged on about this book <laughs> time and time again but this for marvel cosmic readers annihilation is what you need i think it's 2006 2007 so it's happening right at the same time as civil war nice and the stakes here are great it gives you a nice foundation of the characters that we're going to see continuing to go into avengers infinity war and guardians of the galaxy volume one and volume two so that is our list here there's i think about 15 comic book arcs story arcs there for you guys to kind of chew into we look forward to hearing some feedback from you guys if you've liked these or if you're still finding it difficult using even these comic books to get into more of the modern comic books and kind of get back collecting and back reading here again kyle thank you very much for the question this was great this i had a ton of fun researching this and going back through my back issues and trying to pick (laughs) out what i think are the best arcs for jumping into 
modern comic books. And sometime down the road, maybe we'll revisit these and see how we feel about the follow-ons to some of these and, and what people need now that they have a foundation with some of these arcs and going forward into your Civil Wars, your Secret Invasions, and right. different aspects of DC and Spider-Man here. Yes. I look forward to continuing to do this and have this as more of an ongoing, more of a fluid dialogue throughout the Nerd Room and with the listeners themselves. Definitely. So if you'd like to have a little bit of input into this or your comments or feedback or books you think that are essential for Marvel and DC, be sure to email us at thenerdrm at gmail.com. You can comment on our YouTube or Facebook pages, and you can also hit us up on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode. We'd love to hear from you guys. And just like Kyle threw this question to us, we're always willing to hear your guys' theories, questions, comments. Just throw them our way. We'd love to address them here right live on the podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, let us know if uh, Superior Spider-Man sucks or if you love it. (laughs) Please do let me know. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing essential comic book arcs to jump into comic book reading. And we look forward to coming back next week to discuss all things comic books and movies we got guardians of the galaxy coming up here star wars celebration is on the horizon the thrawn book is dropping soon there's a lot going on in the nerd world right now and a lot to focus in on and i look forward to coming back into the nerd room next week next thursday and discussing all things comic books and movies be sure to check out our mcu retrospective which drops next friday we'll be discussing iron man 2 all right well until next week guys for the nerd room i'm tim i'm troy And I'm Sanjay. And thank you for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim and Troy, on Twitter at TheNerdRM and TroyTheBoy87. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search the Nerd Room podcast. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find other podcasts on the Star Wars Commonwealth podcast network, including Talk Star Wars, Generation X-Wing, Tumbling Saber, Rogue Squadron Podcast, and the Skyhopper Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.